Welcome in another edition of Fans Footballers DFS Podcast. It's December 10th, week 14. The air is cool, it is crisp, and we are ready for some more football bets. How's it going, Vermont? Dude, it is going well. Um, my wife and I were on a little midweek getaway. We went to a concert last night in actually Portland, Maine. Uh, first mm. live event, live show, live concert that I was at in, gosh, two years with the whole pandemic and everything. So it was awesome to do that so i felt like i was scrambling a little bit today to get ready for the show but i'm, I'm back we're in business we got the flannel on so you know we're, we're back home we got the flannel on for the show uh, but man I'm, I'm good vermont's good how are you doing down there in the south you know i'm gearing up for the move about 20 days from now my family and i will be moving to right outside phoenix so uh definitely got like a i got the spreadsheets working man you know it's spreadsheets for dfs but for the move that was one of the first things. It was no better way to tell my wife, I love you. I've got this move down pack. I've got a plan than a spreadsheet. And she went along with it. You, you, you live your life with a spreadsheet. If it's not on the sheet, it doesn't happen. Let's be honest. And, and just so people know, I wouldn't say that I'm the most savvy person when it comes to formulas and algos, you know, all, all the different, you know, spreadsheet lingo and but I will say that it does help me organize my thoughts into tabs. And part of doing fantasy football is just having tabs open. I know on your computer at all times, 25, 30 tabs. <laughs> I'm looking right now, actually counting them up across. Uh, we are currently sitting at 21 <laughs> as of this recording. So probably by the end of the show, 28 is my guess. Well, you know, since since we're talking about spreadsheets, I've uh, just to start our show off. Dang it. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> Not prepared for this right now. I know. And part of the reason that I wanted to start this off with a game, and part of this is just fun. Um, those of you that are listening, we don't do this every single week, but in the off season, I do like to throw games uh, spur of the moment kind of thing with bets because it terrifies him. But also, we played a game on Thursday on Finnish Footballers podcast. Andy and I kind of got to collaborate together. It was a fun game. It was called Hunter Renfro or Tyreek Hill. And so I thought of you, Bets, because I know you're a big big Hunter Renfro guy. But oh, yeah. uh, do you mind if I ask you a couple questions? About Hunter Renfro? A top no, 10 no. wide receiver in the NFL? Oh, okay. No. <laughs> he is a uh, wide receiver nine since week nine. We're going to talk about him. Don't worry. Oh, we're definitely going to talk about him on this show. Just, you know, in just a second, we will get into our cash game plays. We will get into games that we want to stack, Battle Royale. But I want to start off with the game, and you, the listener, can be a part of this as well. I'm actually going to first start with a question that I posted on Twitter bets um, earlier. And I think it's a good question. It's a good segue to kind of our brand and maybe, you know, what you and I talk about from time to time on the show. And it's pretty prevalent. So I'll ask this question. I was researching rookie quarterbacks, looking kind of at consistency and floor. Justin Herbert basically had the best rookie quarterback season of all time, and he trumped what Baker Mayfield had done. 
But Justin Herbert, Baker Mayfield, and what other rookie quarterback hold the record for most multi-touchdown passing games through their first 11 starts? Do you want to guess who that man is? Oh, man. This is off of the top of my head and no research whatsoever. Uh, Andrew Luck, is that anywhere close? Andrew Luck is right there, right behind this okay. one. But the answer to this one is someone you might be familiar with. It's Mike Glennon. Oh, baby, our guy. Dude, it's a bummer. He might not start this week, which is really not good for the brand. But um, man, that's that's incredible. I did not even, he never would have come up in my mind if I would have tried there to answer you go. the question. I mean, I get it. Mike Glennon hasn't won a game since 2017. Let me ask you another random question. This is just totally random. Nothing to do with the show. Um, who ran a faster 40 time at their combine? Was it Mike Glennon or Jameis Winston? Dude, if I remember correctly, <laughs> watching Jameis run the 40, in my head, <laughs> I feel like it was not a pretty sight. Don't get me wrong. He would definitely outrun me. But I don't think it was a pretty sight. So I'm going to go with Mike Glennon just because sticking with the theme here. It is Mike Glennon who was faster. Now, these were both drafted by the Buccaneers and started as rookies. It was Mike Glennon. Now, another random question. Who had a higher TD rate as a Buccaneer, Mike Glennon or Jameis Winston? Oh, my gosh. Is this just rookie year, Jameis Winston, or in his whole career with the Bucs? Oh, whole career with the Bucs. And whole career with the Bucs for Glennon. So he had the 30 for 30 year where he just threw a touchdown all the time, but then also an interception. But thinking back, like he wasn't that good with the Bucs. And his pass attempts, right, were always up really high. So when you think about TD rate, which basically is the efficiency metric, I'm going to roll with our boy, Mike G. It was Mike Glennon. All right, I got oh a couple more gosh. questions for you. You ready? You yes. ready? Okay. Which one of these quarterbacks were named in the all-rookie team, according to the Pro Football Writers Association? Okay, so every year, only one quarterback as a rookie gets named to the all-rookie team. Okay. So this year, it'll probably be Mac Jones. be pretty obvious. All right. So of these quarterbacks, which one of them was on the all-rookie team? Was it Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Lamar Jackson, or Mike Glennon? Well, I'm thinking through those names. Lamar didn't play that much as a rookie. Mahomes <laughs> played behind Alex Smith for an entire year. So they're off the list. Is it Mike Glennon? It's Mike Glennon. Mike oh Glennon, 2013, <laughs> threw 19 touchdown passes and was the clear choice for the all-rookie team. All right, I'm going to give you one more. This is just totally random. Just throwing it out there, okay? Who right. had more fourth-quarter comebacks as a rookie? Was it Justin Herbert, greatest rookie quarterback season of all time? Is it Mac Jones, Kyler Murray, Cam Newton, or just, uh, let me throw in one more name, Mike Glennon? Who was it? <laughs> Uh, if you think I'm not going to answer Mike Lennon at this point, you got another thing coming. Give me Mike G. All right, people. So I had fun with this. And part of it was just to say that Mike Lennon, at one point in his career, was actually an okay NFL quarterback. And the bit is over. Okay, people, the bit is done. I don't have to mention Mike Lennon anymore. But I do like doing finding statistics that uh, kind of been the truth and everything else. So hopefully you had fun amazing. with that about this whole thing is that listeners i literally had zero idea this was going to happen on the show tonight like not planned <laughs> at all we're not even talking about the giants on this show like <laughs> there's no reason this was brought up which makes it even better so hats off to you kyle yes i i need to at least later confess to my my wife and my children that i spent a good 45 minutes researching mike glennon today 
Um, this is my job. This is what I do uh, at this point in my career. But if you want to get more in-depth info that is not about Mike Glenn, you can get that at DFSPass.com. You can use the promo code DFSPOD. Once again, we are going through the playoffs. And if you are doing it now, it's basically less than a cup of coffee for the rest of the year. You get our picks from DraftKings, FanDuel, Pace of Play article, Vegas Report. And then on Saturday, Betts and I publish what we think is the most valuable resource we have. It is our best plays article. And then our roster percentage report is updated. So you get fully uh, in-depth analysis. And we say, here's the core players that we think are the best this week. According, and also some links to the rest of our content. So go to DFSPass.com to be a part of that. But let's talk about our cash picks for week 14. Straight cash, homie. Glad you had some fun with that, bets. And usually those are really, really hard and you're put on the spot. But after a while, you kind of understood, hey, I mean, Mike Lennon, he's the answer. And so I actually had somebody on Twitter that did guess that right. I can't tell if they thought it was a joke or if they really did guess that it was Mike Lennon. Nice. Um, yeah. I, listen, I just I can recognize talent when I see it and the dude's got it. So let's be honest. Dude, He okay, let's be honest. Bad NFL quarterback, but if you and I were playing him in one-on-one in basketball, dude would dominate. All right, I would have he would dominate. so many injuries. I would be, I would be dead. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about our cash picks. And our pool for the last couple of weeks has been pretty small at the quarterback position. But I've also been pretty happy with the fact that we've been giving people the quarterback one. We've been giving them names that can simplify things. So for me... I think you and I on DraftKings have simplified it to maybe just three names, and I'll let you throw out yours first. Yeah, the two that you're going to bring up, really, to be honest with listeners, like I'm going to play one of those two in cash. But if you did want to get up to someone that's a little bit more pricey than the names that we'll talk about in a second, we talked about him on the Tuesday show. I'll throw it out again. It's Dak Prescott at 6.7K, taking on the football team. And we're going to preview that game in its entirety in a second. But we know that, you know, early in the year, we kind of, we're making fun of Washington, right? Like, oh, anyone can beat them. The quarterbacks are just winning every week. All these things. They've been really good on defense over the last four, five, six weeks of the season. So even though the matchup when you log into DraftKings or FanDuel is going to be green, it really hasn't been that good, which is kind of why I'm not hesitant about Dak, but I'm just not like over the moon to play him in this matchup. Now, from a tournament perspective, which we're going to talk about, I think he's fine. All those things said, it's Dak Prescott, right? It's the Cowboys. They've got a nice implied team total. He's got all three of his guys in Amari, um, CeeDee Lamb, and Michael Gallup back in the lineup healthy. So there's a lot of positive things to say about Dak Prescott. And in this matchup, dude, over the course of his career, he's played eight, eight games against Washington, 111 passer rating, 13 to 1 touchdown interception ratio. So he's done well when he's played Washington. I actually feel more confident about your play in terms of like projecting actual points. But the two plays that I'm going to mention are Cam Newton at 5.4, Taysom Hill at 5.6, because, I mean, running the ball is just a, it's an equalizer for fantasy football. And so I feel fine in terms of what I'm going to get from them, their safe floor and their matchups. Like they just have great matchups. It'd be different if, you know, a couple weeks ago, we kind of faded Cam. We said he was an okay play, but there were, there were pass to failure against Miami Against Atlanta, it's just, I mean, he's played them 15 times in his career. He knows how to beat them. Atlanta's really bad. They don't rush the passer. So Cam Newton's a really safe play. And then Taysom plays the Jets, who are the worst defense in the league. So it's just really hard looking at their prices and say, those guys won't get at least 15 points. So 
if you're three Xing on those players, you're setting yourself up in other spots. So I lean Cam right now. Do you have a difference between those two? Yeah, I think I lean Cam as well. It's it's super close. And if Taysom didn't have this finger issue, I think it'd be a slam dunk. Taysom Hill, nine times out of ten over Cam, in my, in my opinion. Just because we've seen Taysom Hill play five games as a starter, he's finished as a top 12 quarterback in like season-long leagues every single time. And it's because, like you said, he runs the football. So even with the finger issue, he can still get there. I mean, you talk about the Jets, and no matter how you talk about them, whether it's the passing game or the running game, which we're going to talk about Alvin Kamara in a second, like against running backs and, and rushing quarterbacks, like th- he, he's going to dominate. He's going to find success with his legs. I feel very confident in saying that. It's just, does he find the end zone? Does he add a little bit with his arm as for his passing? I have concerns about that with the finger. I'm just not sure. And so for me, I think if you're talking about cash, where you just want safety, I feel like Cam is maybe 80% of a good play of Taysom Hill, right? Like 80% chance of hitting the same kind of outcome so i think i'm going to lean with cam but to be honest if we get more positive reports come friday evening saturday sunday like i might go to to taste them but i think it's really a coin flip between those two in my opinion it does feel a little thin to say cam is a really safe play because we saw his floor last time out they're coming off the bye they've changed things up with their offensive coordinator which poor joe brady like his quarterbacks have been teddy bridgewater Sam Darnold, PJ Walker, and a washed up Cam Newton. So not really the best situation, but I lean Cam as well because of what it opens up for us to your lineup. And we have a question later in our mailbag. Someone asked about Taysom and Kamara. And so we'll tackle that there because they're both great plays. But if you want to play them in the same lineup, uh, how would you tackle that? I'll throw out two FanDuel names. Uh, because FanDuel pricing is so scrunched together, we don't usually recommend punting the position. There's just usually not too many crazy values. And so uh, Patrick Mahomes at 8.5 and Lamar Jackson at 7.9. Lamar's our top points per dollar value on FanDuel. So I really want to recommend him, but Mahomes just feels way too safe. We'll preview that game in a second. So we like spending up on FanDuel. And then on DraftKings, we would say, if you want to you know, go down a little further with Cam, Taysom, or Dak, that feels even better. Herbert's so close if you knew that Mike Williams was in, is Herbert kind of up a little bit further in your ranks? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, they've got a huge implied total taking on the Giants. It's just tough when his top playmakers are going to be Jalen Guyton, KJ Hill in the slot, probably, and then out wide, Josh Palmer, the rookie. You know, if if there was Keenan there or Mike Williams, he would for sure be in the conversation. So, yeah, I think at this point, he's probably out of my cash game pool. But, I mean, if you want to take a shot on him in a tournament, no one's going to fault you for that. Speaking of the Chargers, let's talk about running back in Austin Eckler. He's the highest priced running back on both sites, 8.3 on DraftKings, 9.2 on FanDuel. There's really it's really hard to poke holes. I know he's popped up on the injury report, but I think Austin Eckler just feels way too safe as the identity of these of this offense. If Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are officially out, we're recording this Thursday night. If they're officially out, then Austin Eckler is locked in my lineup. I mean, just target share is going to go up. Opportunity is going to go up. So he just feels way too safe. And even if Mike Williams comes back, I still like Austin Eckler a lot as a huge favorite against the Giants defense that's giving up on the ground. But uh, talk to me about Kamara because he's the only guy there right now for the Saints. Yeah, for sure. When we were kind of slowly going through this process starting on Tuesday throughout the week, you know, I I expressed a little bit of reservation uh, on Tuesday just about like, 
you know, Taysom could steal some, and I'm not sure if I prefer Eckler or Kamara. And now as the week's gone on, it's opened up beautifully for Kamara. He's practicing in full. Um, we have Mark Ingram on the COVID list. And if you guys recall last week when the Saints were playing, everyone thought Tony Jones would be active. They made him a healthy scratch. So like they don't have confidence in Tony Jones. And clearly their wide receiver core, I mean, I'm not sure. I don't want to be hyperbolic. It's one of the worst in football, quite honestly. So it's Alvin Kamara's show. If he's getting 20 opportunities against the Jets, like outside of injury, how does he fail? I really don't see the path for that. Yeah, and just think about how bad the Jets have been. Like they're they're going to show up as 32nd green in all of your apps, but it's at the point now where the Jets' rush defense is so bad. I looked at the stat earlier. Over the last six weeks, they're giving up 32 fantasy points per game, and that's according to FanDuel scoring. Just to put that number in perspective, the greatest running back season of all time was LaDainian Tomlinson in 2006. He was putting up 27 points a game. So add five to that, the greatest running back season of all time. That's what the Jets are giving up. They are so bad against the run. And usually multiple running backs get in on the action. Remember that game where the Patriots put up like 50 points? No, it's Kamara and that and him alone. So Kamara, I'm assuming, is our top play on the slate. It's so close between Eckler and Kamara. But yeah, they're both, again, 50-50 coin flip. Literally, they're both awesome plays. And actually, right now in my cash lineup, I have them both in there. So there is a build that you can get to if you go down to um, one of the cheap quarterbacks that we talked about. You can, if you want to get up to these guys, do it in the same lineup. But really, I mean... I'm going to have exposure to both across different lineups and tournaments and things like that. But for cash, I'm going to try to get both of them in there. Yeah, I think they're going to both be above 20% in tournaments. I'm working on the roster percentage report, but I, I'm in the same boat as you. I have them both in my lineup because they feel like such strong plays. Let's talk about some of the guys that are a little bit cheaper this week. Javante Williams went bananas on Sunday night. Fantasy Twitter had a great time. But Melvin Gordon is showing up again and that's kind of ruining our party. Like it's one of those things where like, dude, we didn't, we didn't really invite you like Melvin, like you've done some great things in the past, but like we didn't invite you to this DFS party for week 14. So how are you handling Javante if Melvin Gordon plays? Cause if he doesn't play Javante at 5.9 is a smash. Yeah. Melvin, what the heck man? Uh, just showed up to the party. Uh, no, no but in all seriousness, you. we're excited that he's healthy. Uh, it's a bummer for DFS and for fantasy because everyone just wants Javante to be unleashed. The conversation is very simple. If Melvin Gordon is active, in my opinion, you can't play Javante Williams in cash. It's not that he can't get there. It's not that he won't have a good game. It's just that on a projection level, as far as safety and median outcome, you know, we've just seen the, the Broncos split the backfield pretty much 50-50. And, you know, in cash games, we preach go for volume, chase volume. And I'm not sure Javante will get that if Melvin is is in. If Melvin is out, don't think twice about it. Lock him in your lineup. I mean, against the Lions, it is a dream matchup. So I think Javante, if Melvin is active, is interesting in tournaments because the matchup is so strong and we've seen his talent. But yeah, if Melvin is in, in my opinion, I don't think you can play Javante in cash. And if you need to pivot, let's say you don't understand, you don't know the information yet. Melvin Gordon ends up being a game time decision. Antonio Gibson's only 6K. Do we know anything about J.D. McKissick right now? Yeah, he was back at practice today on Thursday. It looks like he's trending in the right direction. We should get final word for that by Saturday officially. So we'll monitor and see what's happening there. Um, you know, and obviously last week, the analysis is the exact same. If McKissick is out, we'll see more volume in the passing game, more opportunity. We got that from him. 
But, I mean, even if McKissick is in, Kyle, I'm not sure what your thoughts are. I think Gibson's viable in cash. Like, he's just gotten so much work over the last month of the season coming out of their bye week. The concern, if you remember, was always about his shin. Is it going to recover? Is it healthy? And if you listen to the Injury Blitz pod, I said it's going to be a while, but if they manage it appropriately and get him to the bye week, it could be fine rest of season. And they are showing zero concerns about that at this point, just getting so much volume. So I think even in in cash with uh, McKissick active, I think he's viable. I don't think he's my favorite play of the slate, but he's definitely there. And I wouldn't fault anyone that wants to keep uh, chasing his volume of recent uh, weeks. Yeah, I think you're still going to get at least 15 touches, maybe even more. So Gibson still feels like he's he's viable there. By the way, I just love the fact that when I get to ask you about, hey, where's this player at? You always know the practice report. You always know the injury. Like, that's your thing. So it feels really good to be like, I have like I I honestly knew that McKissick was like trending in the right direction, but I had no idea his practice status. So that's why I ask you those questions. You sound smarter than me. Hey, I try. But but when you have these stats about our boy Mike G or or any other player, really, you're, you're the stats guy. I think we make a good team because we we both look smart in our own right. And I'm a technology idiot for the listeners, just so they know. So Kyle usually helps me with that as well. So we make a make a good team here, Kyle. My mom is really proud of me. I'll say that. Now, if I sent her a picture of Mike Glennon, she would say that that man is not safe. He is not safe. Why are you sending me this obscene picture of this man? He's not safe for work. All right. A couple, couple more names. Let's talk about this. So we talked about high price guys. We talked about some guys in the middle range. How are we handling the 49ers? Because it seems like Elijah Mitchell is not trending in the right direction. Jamichael Hasty's 4K. He got some steam earlier in the week. Now it seemed like your boy, Jeff Wilson, his knee flare-up issue is is you know not really bugging him. He had a full practice on Thursday. He's four point four, and some reports came out that he's the quote front runner. So how are you handling this for cash? Yeah, those two guys are are really key on the slate for cash because I, I talked about a roster construction where you can get both Eckler and Kamara, and the reason for that is that one of these two guys should be available as a starter. We don't know who it is as of right now, but I guess we can just kind of talk through the situation in as a whole for the 49ers. It does look like Elijah Mitchell is going to miss in concussion protocol and a knee issue. His trend has been negative all week, so I don't think we see him play. And then special teamer Trenton Cannon had that scary concussion, had to get actually carted off in an ambulance last week. Hopefully he's recovering, but he's not going to play this week. And the team was forced to sign uh, career backup Brian Hill to the Whoa, roster. Former Falcons great Brian Hill. Hey, I, I started him a couple leagues last year or, or two years ago when I had to when I was desperate. Um, I think he actually had a, a solid week every now and then. But um, Brian Hill is the third back. So it's it's these two guys, in my opinion, that are going to be getting the football for the 49ers against the Bengals. So, if, I mean, if, if Wilson's practicing in full, which he did on Thursday, and he's the starter, you can't play hasty in cash, in my opinion. So it really comes down to what does Wilson do? And if he's a starter, I think he's a fine pump play at, what is he, 4.4K? Yes. I, I'm i struggling with this, to be honest, because maybe it's part of the PTSD of Jeff Wilson when we all started him a couple weeks ago and we didn't get anything. We got a floor game from him. The prices are super cheap, so that's totally fine. The knee flare-up, is there... Is there worry for re-injury? Because I could totally see Jeff Wilson get five carries and be out of the game. Yeah, it's sort of interesting because what I interpreted from this is that this is definitely related to the same knee that he had the surgery on back in the summer, which was to repair the meniscus in his knee. It takes a very long time. 
Usually it's at least six months in terms of the recovery. And then you kind of slowly ramp the player up in terms of their workload as the weeks go by. And actually on the injury blitz pod, when we had that week of just Jeff Wilson, I said, I'm not sure. Like it was the second game active. I think when they gave him all that work, I was like, man, I'm really surprised if they do that. Sure enough, they do it. Um, and now I think they're maybe paying a little bit of the consequence for it. And, and basically the idea is like when you load the player up with that much volume, your knee, especially with that recovery, is is uh, notable for having like lingering soreness, a little bit of swelling in the knee, that kind of thing. So I think it's probably related to that. But who's to say they don't calm it down as the week goes on? And by Sunday, he's fine and gets 15 carries and goes 80 combined yards and a score, right? Like that's totally going to get you there in cash. So I think I'll probably just trust the beat reporters and see how the trend goes. But if we get any word of any any setback in practice, any minor issue, um, yeah, you, you can't play Jeff Wilson in that scenario. And it would be Jermichael Hasty, of course, if Wilson is out. I just my early gut feeling is that one, I don't trust the 49ers beat reporters. They've been all oh, I know the map this year. <laughs> They've been awful. <laughs> and so what what it's leaning me to do is to say, okay, if this is going to be the common build, I might look elsewhere. The one thing I want to note about Hasty is that he has seen some passing down work. He's seen 12 carries on the year, okay? He had one snap last week, so that terrifies me. The Bengals do give up the highest running back target share in the league. So if there's one thing that could save Hasty, it's uh, it's the fact that he can see some passing down work. If he's the only guy I'm playing him, no matter what. Like, if Jeff Wilson's out, like, Hasty's the dude. But we'll have to wait and see. I want to throw out two names for FanDuel, and then we'll move on to wide receiver. Leonard Fournette is 7.4K. He's underpriced on FanDuel. He's a really good bet to get a touchdown. The Bills give up the highest touchdown rate on the ground in the league. And then I'll mention Josh Jacobs at 7.1. He's the only dude. And now you can just forget about game script because he's getting the passing down work. We'll talk about that game in a second in terms of stacking. But on FanDuel, he should be in your cash game lineup at 7.1. He's, uh, he's a bit underpriced in terms of his role. Let's talk about wide receiver. And... Early on in the week, it seemed like Jalen Guyton was going to be the name that you and I were going to talk about at 3.4, but things are trending in the other direction where now we're hearing results of, hey, maybe Big Mike Williams is going to play. And by the way, I love calling him Big Mike. That's one of my favorite names that we just get to say, oh, Big Mike. So if Mike's available at 6K on DraftKings, locked in? Dude, you kidding me? This guy won't be... A huge GPP last year on Monday Night Football. <laughs> if you think I'm going to go away from this man now, you got another thing coming. Um, but in all seriousness, yes, we talked about that on Tuesday. That was our lean. If Keenan is out and Mike is in, you play Mike. He's at 6K. It's just a great tag for a guy who should dominate targets. And it's not like we haven't seen it, right? Like he's had games of of um, upwards of like six, seven, eight targets and has gotten there. So it's not like this is out of nowhere. So yes, he's in for me if Keenan is out. All right, tell me I'm crazy that I want to start a jet this week in cash. Elijah Moore at 5.9 or Jameson Crowder at 4.7 against the Saints. I wrote up Elijah Moore in the cash article in the DFS pass, so apparently we are both crazy. Okay, Jameson Crowder, 4.7 on DraftKings, 5.5 on FanDuel. If he's the only guy there, like the only dude, and Elijah Moore is is not coming back from his quadriceps issue. Yep. I can tell you right now, Jameson Crowder on a PPR site just feels too safe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if Elijah's out, I mean, Corey Davis is done for the year with his core muscle injury. 
Like, who's it going to be? Braxton Berrios? I mean, yeah, come on. And the Saints are the weakest in the slot as far as their defensive coverage. So, yeah, it would make a ton of sense. And over the last six weeks, the Saints are one of the worst teams in football in terms of fantasy points against the wide receivers. So, yeah, sign me up for sure. It's terrifying to trust Zach Wilson, but because he hyper-targets wide receivers, we we just it feels better. And if 4.7 Crowder... <laughs> For the love of God, don't watch the game. <laughs> just just look at it through your app. When you get a point, feel good about it. That's that's all you need to do. Uh, so we also have a couple other names I want to mention. Tyree Kill at 8.5. He destroyed the Raiders a couple weeks ago for two touchdowns. He's good at football. I understand that sometimes he just vanishes, and he has these dud games. Doesn't matter. Tyree Kill at 8.5 is an awesome play. And then... Hunter Renfro's at the point now at 6.1 that, I mean, I guess DraftKings says like, okay, this dude can play. We need to price him up. I know, man, and I hate it. But at the same time, it's warranted, right? I mean, back-to-back games over 100 yards. He has 100 yards or a touchdown in four of his last five. Darren Waller looks like he's going to miss again. And when these two teams played just a week ago, or, or two weeks ago, rather, I think it was, I actually think that's a lie. I think it was three weeks ago. Anyway, they played recently. <laughs> and uh, Renfro went seven for 46 and a touchdown. So we've seen math success. Yeah, at 6.1, I think he's totally viable in cash. I always question the upside, but as a cash game play, I think he's rock solid. Why do you question this man? Don't do that, Bets. I know you've always been a Renfro hater. Oh, come on, man. Are you kidding me? Dude, he was the uh, he was the auto pick in like the third round of uh, rookie drafts in Dynasty Leagues whenever he came out of Clemson. <laughs> that's a statement that very few people have ever heard before. Hunter Renfro, auto pick. Like I just, I just <laughs> queued him up. He was the guy that I had to have in my lineup. <laughs> had to have him, man. All right, I'll give you a couple other names. Uh, DJ Moore at six point two. I think he's going to be popular, especially especially with Christian McCaffrey out against Atlanta. I temper my expectations a little bit. I know this is kind of a matchup thing, but AJ Terrell has been awesome. Like I, I mean. I know this is a Falcons homer thing, but he's been incredible. Stats bear it out. He's arguably been the best cornerback in the league this year in terms of one-on-one matchups. So I temper my expectations, um, but he's only 6.2. Stephon Diggs, 8.1 on DraftKings. He's an even better play on FanDuel at 8.2. Uh, so I think that he would be a really, really solid play. Any other names you want to throw out there for cash? I don't really have anyone else in my pool this week. It's actually a really tough slate for wide receiver because outside of the top two at the in the pricing, you know, with Tyreek and Stefan Diggs, there's not really anyone else up there that's like a slam dunk play. I mean, I guess we could talk about Chris Godwin, right? I mean, 15 catches. Are you kidding me uh, with this guy? He's just been unreal. He's 7.1. So his price moved up a little bit, but not enough. And now we get, you know, Tom Brady's just torching the league and i know that this on paper matchup with the bills is tough Tredavious white is out we're going to talk about it in a second but the quarterbacks that they have faced over the last six weeks have not been good quarterbacks so i think this is one of those like oh man the 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 bills might uh get a taste of reality here against tom brady and one of the most pass happy offenses in the league and presumably getting a little bit softer coverage in the slot so chris goblin how can you argue against what he's done recently 7.1k i think he's totally viable in cash I'll just throw out the Bengals wide receivers. T. Higgins obviously has been great the past two weeks. Jamar Chase feels like more like a GPP play because of what he's done. But I want to mention those two wide receivers because 49ers have been 
slowly bleeding points to the wide receiver position recently. And it seems like the Bengals have been trusting the pass more. At least last week they did. They had to. Joe Mixon has popped up as a do not practice the last couple days. We need to monitor that. Do we have any information about him right now? Other than it's a non-COVID illness, I do not have anything else. We'll just have to monitor what happens on Friday in practice to see where he's at. Yeah, it's going to be interesting about how we approach him. Um, Samaj Pirine, if Mixon's out, Samaj Pirine at 4.2 on DraftKings would be super interesting. It's kind of like in that same mix of Jamichael Hasty, but I'm, I'm interested in Bengals. Like I, the game total as a whole and the pace isn't great. Um, so there's some things up in the air about Mixon and the way we approach it, but there's some pieces there, Higgins, Chase, Pirine, and then, you know, the 49ers guys we already talked about. So just monitor that game. It could be one that over the course of the weekend, it changes. All right, tight end. This is what I mentioned on Tuesday, but Travis Kelsey right now is in my cash game lineup at 7.4. On FanDuel, he's locked in at 7.5. Just feels way too safe. He's killed the Raiders in his career, went over 100 yards against them in week 10. So if you're spending up this week, I like Travis Kelsey. And then if you're wanting to go way lower, I really only have one other tight end in my personal pool, and it's Austin Hooper. I know that's a name that a lot of people haven't really thought about in a while, but at 3.4, the Browns target the tight end more than any other position or more than any other team in the league. And then the Ravens, they're seeing the highest opponent target share for the tight end in the league. So that's a really great matchup. So for me on DraftKings, it's either Kelsey or Hooper. And with Hooper, you didn't even mention the situation. David Njoku is on the COVID list. And uh, the second-year tight end, Bryant, he's going to be out of this game with an ankle issue, I believe it is. So, yeah, it could be Austin Hooper by himself in this game. So I think he's a totally fine play for sure. I'm also going to throw out Jerry Kuk. He's down there at, uh, I think it's 3.2K on DraftKings. Same analysis among everything else we talked about is if Big Mike Willie and Keenan Allen are out, like who's catching the football? So he would project decently well against the Giants. And then we talked about this guy on Tuesday, Ricky Seals-Jones. 3.6K. It looks like he is trending in the right direction against Dallas. We've just seen whoever the tight end is for Washington. It doesn't matter. They play 100% of the snaps, and they're going to see somewhere in the range of like five to eight targets. And if you're punting the position, you could certainly do worse than RSJ at 3.6K. At defense, it's... I really only have two teams. Like, it's either the Panthers or the Seahawks. Like, I'm not... Really trying to look elsewhere. On Fandle, I need to mention the Chargers. They're 4.3. They're underpriced. They're going to be awesome. But, I mean, those are the two teams. I really don't have great punt options for you this week. I think you and I kind of mentioned, like, it's not not great. Not really want to go there. But if you just need to spend up, uh, Panthers are 2.8 on DraftKings. And the Seahawks are 3.1. Any other thoughts on defense? I think for cash, I'm with you. Those are the, the two for me this week. All right, let's talk about some stacks. Stack attack. The game that is head and shoulders above the rest this week. You like that? You like that little uh, reference, that ad reference for head and shoulders in there? I did like that. I also thought you were referencing uh, the picture that is on our screen, which (laughs) like the 20th reference to this man, Mike Glennon. (laughs) Games we like to stack brought to you by Michael Joseph Glennon. There's a picture of Mike Lennon on my screen right now, right above this game. So I thought you were saying it was brought to uh, brought to us by our boy Mike G. Uh, you know, he's burned brightly. Um, so the, the game that stands above them all is Buffalo Bills at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucs are three and a half point 
home favorites. And this game has risen all the way up to 53 and a half as their total. So we like these two teams because they want to throw the ball and they want to keep throwing the ball. At least you can say with the Bucks, they have a good rush success rate. They're second in the league, even though they don't run the ball a ton, but they're effective at it. And then Bills just say, all right, we're not that great at it. So Josh Allen, Tom Brady, we didn't mention them in our cash game picks. I think that I you're not crazy if you want to go there, but there's a lot of variables. So with this game, how do you see it playing out and how would you stack it? Yeah, I think it sets up perfectly, honestly, for what both teams want to do, which is throw the football, like you said. As for you know the Bills, they will run the ball if they need to or have to, but against Tampa, they're not going to be able to, right? So this sets up perfectly because they want to throw the football. Opposing teams are throwing at the highest rate against Tampa, so it sets up really well for Josh Allen. And then on the, the Tampa side, they're among the leaders in pass rate over expectation, passing rates, neutral situation, uh, pass rate. So they're just throwing the ball a ton. So I think you could have a huge shootout in this one. And I think you could really could stack it either way. Like if you want to do a Tom Brady double stack, bring it back with someone on Buffalo. I think that's very viable. I also think you could stack it on the Bills side with Josh Allen and two guys, bring it back with someone on Tampa. It, really, this is one of those games that it sort of feels like you can't go wrong. And obviously in hindsight, like your results are going to show that maybe you were wrong. But from a process standpoint, there's a lot to like about this game. I, I don't have a strong lean on where to go. I think we need to think about the Bills defense a little differently, especially against running backs. Like before it was like, don't play any running backs against Buffalo, but they've been giving it up recently. I know that Jonathan Taylor game sticks out as like, Hey, when you give up five touchdowns in a game, that's going to skew your averages. But Leonard Fournette is the one that could totally ruin this game from a stacking standpoint. But I also think if you wanted to, if this game's going to hit the over, if you wanted to go Brady, Fournette, and then one other buck, you know, whether that be Godwin, Evans, or Gronk, I think that's totally fine and bring it back with Diggs. That's that's a viable way to get a part of this game and get a little different. I do like Dawson Knox because of how closely he's correlated to Josh Allen. So in this game, if I'm playing one of those tight ends, I'm obviously going to stack them. I'm not going to play a naked uh, Dawson Knox or Gronk by themselves, like a one-off play. So what do you, how do you feel about Josh Allen? Because his range of outcomes feels all over the place. And if you look at his game logs, he's had games where he's the quarterback one and others where it's like, oh, you completely busted and he's pretty expensive. He is, but at the same time, this is the best game environment on the slate and on the Tuesday show, we talked about like there's no other game that's even close as far as how these teams play, the pace of play, the total in terms of the Vegas total. It's the only one that has this high total. So I know that it hasn't been the same Josh Allen that we saw last year, but we know that those games are in his bag of tricks, right? He can do that, and he can obviously add value with his legs too. So if the field is going to look past Josh Allen for whatever reason, sign me up. I mean, you play quarterbacks and pass catchers against Tampa. That's just what you do. And after a really bad game of Monday Night Football where there's recency bias, again, if he's overlooked in tournaments, I definitely want some Josh Allen this week. I would say the play in this game that is going way lower in the roster percentage report right now is Mike Evans. And I think it's just the recency bias. Like we saw Godwin this last week with those huge amount of targets, 15 receptions, but Evans has almost doubled him in terms of targets inside the 10-yard line. And the secondary just looks different without Tredavious White. So I still like Evans. Last week, he saw 
of the team's air yards, despite like not seeing the same amount of targets. So he's getting the targets that we like. So I think he's super interesting. And then I just want to mention Gronk. Gronk leads this team in end zone target share, and it's kind of ridiculous. Like 13%, 13.5% of the team's end zone targets have gone to Gronk. He's just elite and so dominant. That's why he saw two touchdowns this past week. So you can't really go wrong on the Bucs side, but like we always say, double stack with Brady because he doesn't run. Run it back with somebody else on the Bills side. That's that's the best way to approach this game. And my last question for you is, with Sanders and Beasley and Gabe Davis, like, is the are these just kind of like shoot your shot in a large field? Honestly, I think so. It's really tough to give any advice because... Like, like who saw Gabe Davis coming on Monday Night Football? Anyone? I, I don't know. Maybe maybe someone out there thought it was coming. I did not. And we've seen Cole Beasley. It's like 13 targets, four targets, 12 targets, two targets. Emmanuel Sanders hasn't done anything since like week four. So yeah, honestly, I don't know who to stack him with. I think it's probably one of those, like you said, shoot your shot. I talked about this on Tuesday. I like correlating the tight end in this matchup because when you look across the position, we're always trying to find guys that can score touchdowns to separate in GPPs. This is the best game environment on the slate. Two of the best quarterbacks in the league, not not even to mention on the slate. So I want to stack Allen a little bit with Dawson Knox. And then same thing, uh, Tom Brady with Kronk. All right, my Vegas pick, I'm going to be taking the Bucks minus three and a half. I'm with you, man. Give me the Bucks. All right, next game is Las Vegas Raiders at the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs are nine and a half point home favorites. This game has a 47 and a half point over and under. It's pretty important AFC West game. Kansas City destroyed the Raiders in week 10, 41 to 14. Kansas City's won five straight, but it's kind of been more of a defensive battle. Like that's the way that they've won recently. Mahomes was the quarterback one when these two teams played. But last year, if you remember, they played an arrowhead and the Raiders won 40 to 32, but this is a different Raiders team in terms of their weapons. They're out without Kenyon Drake, obviously without Henry Ruggs and likely without Darren Waller. So my question for you to start this conversation is do the Raiders have enough firepower to make this a game where you can fully stack it? I mean, the nice thing about stacking it is just, you know, where the football is going, right? I mean, Josh Jacobs, I think he's very much a play this week. And then we already talked about Hunter Renfro. And outside of that, you're not really excited about anyone on the Raiders. So I think it's it's viable as a stacking game. But at the same time, you know, when you look at the trend of both of these teams, the Raiders, the offense, like you said, has not been the same since the whole Henry Rugg situation. And without Waller, it definitely takes some wind out of the sails. And then on the other side, you know, I know that this game a few weeks ago really went bananas. That's the game that hit the over. But in the Kansas City you know, recent trend, I'm, look, I'm looking at their uh, their stuff here on our site in terms of their pl- player profile page for the Kansas City defense. And it, it gives you like, you know, their game logs and the betting lines and all those things. It's an awesome tool. So check it out. Um, but basically, since week six, here it is. Under, 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 over against the Raiders. Under, under. The Chiefs have been playing to the under a ton. So if this game somehow becomes very, very, very popular, there is paths to downside that maybe not a lot of people... We'll see, and it could be an interesting like differentiation on the slate. So I don't know that I have a lot of conviction about a full game stack here. Um, it's just we've seen this Chiefs team like they're they're so different this year than what we have co- become accustomed to know like who they are, right? Like I don't know, 
it's it's really tough to get excited about it. But at the same time, like on the slate, there's no games that have these high totals. So I'm kind of talking in circles. I don't know. The, the thing that's hard for me about this game is it'd be different if some of the pieces were lower rostered. Like Josh Jacobs on FanDuel is going to be stupid popular. Like, yeah. You're not going to be sneaky. There's only two players on the Raiders, right? It's Renfro, who's now popular. Like, he's not sneaking up. And it's Jacobs. And then it's very clear on the Chiefs' side. It's Mahomes, Tyreek, Kelsey. Like, that's that's how people are stacking it. So you're not really getting different from the crowd. So this game hits the under, like you mentioned. Then if you're stacking it, you're running into a lot of roster percentage. So we know with Mahomes, if you're playing Mahomes in a tournament, you're stacking him with Hill or Kelsey. Like, that's just where you're going. I want to mention this about Hill because he's been up and down. He has a good target share. Hill has a 16% end zone share. All right. That is really high. Travis Kelsey has 2%. He's not seeing the type of targets. He's never been a huge touchdown guy, but he's not seeing the targets that make you say, okay, he's being targeted in the end zone. So if I had to lean somewhere in tournaments, I think it's Hill is just like, who has the just monster ceiling? I'm not telling you anything that's crazy, but He's a value on FanDuel at 8.7. That's where I would probably play Mahomes, Hill, and then run it back with somebody else. But like I said, Jacobs is so popular. They are asking him to get two touchdowns and 100 plus yards. Like you're just asking a lot for a player um, and for a team that's, you know, a heavy underdog. So I don't really have anywhere else in this game that I want to go. I guess CEH is a way to get different and leverage. And if you want to play CH in the Kansas City defense, that's a way to do it. But any, any thoughts on this one? No, I think we touched on it. It's pretty obvious how you play the game, but I, I do. I think that is interesting for sure. The CEH play, um, if it does hit the under, you know the the Raiders. You can run on the Raiders, uh, but I do. I just have concerns. Like Darrell Williams is not going away. He's running more routes than CEH, so it takes away a little bit of the ceiling. But if you have this. 85 yard game and two touchdowns from CEH on the ground. Like it's, it's going to pay off in GPP. So I think he's interesting, but uh, yeah, no, I think we hit on all of it. I'll say this about Derek Carr. He's, he's averaging 38 pass attempts. So Derek Carr with volume chasing. We love, he still has the most 20 plus yard passing plays in the league and his splits. If you look at him, this game have actually been better on the road. So if you did want to go Derek Carr, Josh Jacobs, Hunter Renfro, then at least you're getting a really, really low roster Derek Carr, and you're asking for Josh Jacobs to at least catch one through the air, and then you're getting away from a Holmes, you're getting away from a Kelsey or a Hill. So it's possible. Um, last year, he was awesome in Arrowhead, 347-3. and three. So it's possible. I just don't know if it's the best time to, um, as the kids say, send in the car, send in the car. <laughs> Guys, that was Don't just a chance for me to use the drop. I just wanted to <laughs> use the drop if I'm on. All right, give me your Vegas pick. Vegas uh, for, for the Vegas game. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take Vegas, actually. I think that they can keep this one close. I will take plus nine and a half. If Darren Waller was in this game, I would feel better, but I will be taking Kansas City minus nine and a half because I think it's the correct call bets. Okay, fair enough. We'll see. All right, last game we're going to profile here. It's Dallas Cowboys at the Washington football team. Cowboys are four and a half point road favorites. This game has a 48 total. This has a lot of NFC East comp, uh, complications, a lot of implications, a lot of different things. Since the week seven bye, Dallas is only three and three, but the football team, go football team, they won four straight. 
And listen to Washington's upcoming schedule. I just think it's hilarious. You and I, in the offseason, we get to talk about schedule and schedule makers and projections. It's one of my favorite episodes, by the way, when we do that in April and May. Oh, yeah. Uh, but listen, listen to Washington's next four games. Dallas, at Philadelphia, at Dallas, Philadelphia. What the heck, schedule makers? <laughs> I don't know, man. They wanted some drama in the NFC East, apparently. There's a ton of games that are like this where you're just playing. I mean, the Browns, the Browns played the Ravens, went on bye, and then played the Ravens this week. It's just like, I don't know what the schedule makers were doing. Um, so with this game, I know you had some uh, caution earlier in the week that you're like, hey, like, if this is going to be popular, if the Cowboys options are coming in. So how are you feeling right now about this game? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be as popular as maybe we thought it would be early in the week, which, listen, now I'm back in, <laughs> you know, and that's one of the things that I love about the week as it goes on is that you just follow kind of what uh, the roster presenters are telling you, follow the news, follow the injuries, all those things. But yeah, no, I, I talked about Dak already. He's been great against Washington in his career. He's still Dak Prescott. And as I said, he got all of his playmakers back in the lineup. Um, and this is a team that we've seen them be able to put up these 30 plus point performances on offense. And if Dak does that, you know, as part of that, like it's going to happen through Dak, in my opinion, especially when you consider Tony Pollard is dealing with a partial tear in his plantar fascia, which I do expect him to be a true game time decision. That's what everyone's saying. It's a pain management issue. So let's say that Tony Pollard is less than 100%. Ezekiel Elliott is also less than 100%. How is this offense going to work? It's through Dak Prescott, in my opinion. So I don't have a lot of interest in the RBs in this one, but I think Dak stacks are very interesting in tournaments. What if I told you that you could stack Dak Prescott with somebody like CeeDee Lamb and let's just let's throw out Dalton Schultz. So it's a double stack. What if I told you you could stack those guys and their combined roster percentage would be uh, less than 15%, three guys? Oh, yes, please. See, that that's what's crazy about this game is at first I was with you too. Where I was like, okay, it's divisional matchup. Could be the under. Right now in our roster percentage projections, the most popular plays in this game are Antonio Gibson, which makes a ton of sense if J.D. McKiss is out. And then on FanDuel, uh, Terry McLaurin's only 7.1. He's 7,000 on DraftKings. So on DraftKings, I get why people aren't playing him. But at 7.1 on FanDuel, I think people will be playing him in tournaments because of his upside. He's been completely boomer bust, and I get it. He's your boy bets. Uh, I get why you like McLaurin. But it's really not carrying the same roster percentage we thought earlier on in the week. So if you were stacking, would you just say Dak, Cooper, or Lamb, or, you know, Maybe you want to put Gallup in there and then maybe one other guy, maybe Schultz. Yeah, I think if you're playing Dak, I would definitely double stack him for sure. Um, I love CeeDee Lamb this week. Absolutely love him. At I think he's $1,300 more expensive on DraftKings than Amari Cooper. I think we'll probably see his roster percentage stay pretty in check, especially because people want to pay up for Kamara and Eckler like we talked about. So yeah, CeeDee Lamb in the slot in this matchup. Sign me up. We just saw Hunter Renfro in the same matchup in the slot last week go over 100 yards. So I love CD Lamb this weekend. Yeah, and I think if you're stacking Dak, you do it with two pass catchers. Yep, I, I'm I'm totally in step with you. Antonio Gibson's still getting too much work at 6K. I'm kind of surprised he only went up $300 after what he's done the last couple of weeks. So he's a great play. You can't really trust Taylor Heineke. 
in this win streak, they've won four in a row. He's averaged 220 passing yards. So I just, the magic that we had, the upside, the rushing, I mean, it's not fully there. So can't do that. Curtis Samuel is not alive. It's just pour one out for our buddy. He's 3.6, super cheap. But I mean, other than McLaurin and Gibson, can you play anyone else? I mean, RSJ is a fine play in cash, but I, I just don't see a ceiling. Yeah, no, it's, to me, this is one that I think there's very obvious plays, like you talked about, RSJ, Terry McLaurin, Gibson, and I feel pretty confident about Gibson in this spot. So like, if you wanted to play Gibson and you wanted to play Dak, that's fine. Just make sure you're not playing into heavy roster percentage on Dallas's side. So just be sure you're getting different. Or if you wanted to play the stack with a couple of chalky pieces, it's fine to do. But again, we always just talk about Make sure you're getting different elsewhere in your lineup. So I don't think you need to chase anyone off the board on Washington's side. I think it's pretty clear. All right. I'm going to be taking Dallas minus four and a half. I am as well. Kyle, you, you love hot stats, dude. Dak Prescott, 10 and two against the spread in his career when he has extra rest, a.k.a. a bye week or Thursday night football. Let's go Cowboys. So you're telling me I'm about to buy a house. Should I just take that money? And before I... Do it with the house, like get a little money extra. I mean, that seems like a lock to me. Okay, good. I, I'm going to tell him in the morning that, hey, by the way, Betts has this hot stat. It is a hot stat. <laughs> and we could make a little bit more if I we can't just wait. trust Dak. I can't wait for the Cowboys to win by only a field goal. Should be fun. All right. Before we get into our battle royale, we've introduced this last week. And I just want to throw it out real quick before we get into it. Our slate breakers, all right? Like we said, we, we're going to come up with a segment for this segment name, but give me a player that you would say can just break the slate. And last week, Justin Jefferson was those one of those names that we brought up. Oh, yeah. Jefferson was awesome, man. Um, this week, I'm going to go with Tyreek Hill. And it's really because I just want to like trust his target trend, not including last week when Mahomes completed just 15 passes. That's not normal. In the four games prior, 11, 10, 11, 18 targets for Tyreek Hill with a player with that ability and speed. Give me Tyreek, man. I think he goes nuts this week. I'm going to throw out two names. Mike Evans. I just think that he is going overlooked in what he can do in this game. Um, I, I think he can get two touchdowns. And then I just want to say Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is going to be 3% on DraftKings because he doesn't catch the ball. Cream Hunt's back, whatever. I don't care. He can break the slate. He still has the highest elusive rating among all running backs. The Browns lead the league in EPA per rush attempt. They have the highest TD rate on the ground. And even when trailing, they have the highest rush rate in the league. So if Nick Chubb gets in a positive game script, you can get one of those patenting game where he goes for 130 and two touchdowns and Blake breaks the slate because no one else is talking about him. So uh, I like Nick Chubb a lot. Let's, uh, let's battle it out. DFS Battle Royale. That's right, people. We are officially tied up. Bets and I are tied up. I said that there was a comeback. Don't call it a comeback, but yes, my team came back. We are now tied for our wins on the year. DFS Battle Royale is a chance for us to kind of go through a couple different categories to help you, the listener, and to challenge each other. So I mixed it up this week, once again. And this first question is a little different. Usually we talk about a QB that you could stack really cheap. Let's go bold here. Give me a quarterback that fails 
over 7K. And when I mean fail, doesn't mean they're going to be terrible. We're not telling you don't play this person, but we're saying they don't 3X on their salary. They don't get to 20 points. All of these quarterbacks over 7K are projected for over 20 points. So realize we're not telling you these players are bad, but if we're going to be underweight on somebody, who's it going to be? So who's going to fail over 7K on DraftKings? Yeah, I was looking at the names and I mean, these are all studs, obviously they're priced (laughs) up. So it's really tricky to actually come out here and say this, but I'm going to go with Lamar this week. And it's not that I don't think he can have a good game. It's just that when I look at who on the slate is there in the game environments, I mean, you have two teams that are going to run a ton of, of run plays, slow down the clock, probably be like a 20 to 13 game, maybe. It's just a low-scoring environment. So if he fails, that's how it happens. That said, I love Lamar Jackson. I hope he goes bananas. Dude, I cannot believe. You heard it here, guys. Betts doesn't believe in Lamar Jackson <laughs> at all. If you listen to our best ball show, yeah, Betts was pounding here. the table. He was pounding the table for Lamar. So, uh, yeah, I, I totally get it. I'm going to say Josh Allen. I just think the Buccaneers have the pass rush to completely disrupt him. And it's really hard for me to trust those ancillary weapons in Buffalo, like Emmanuel Sanders has just fallen off the rails. Cole Beasley's done nothing. So they have no running game. It's totally possible that Josh Allen has one of those games where he gets 15 points. And if you get 15 points for Josh Allen, your lineup totally fails. All right. I need a cash game running back that is not named Alvin Kamara or Austin Eckler. I feel like I cheated on this one because I did put Javante Williams if Melvin Gordon is out, but I feel like we both would say that. So I'm going to scrap that. Uh, but listeners, if Mom Gordon is out, play Javante Williams. Uh, I will take Antonio Gibson at 6K against Dallas. We already talked about him in detail. So uh, yeah, give me give me Gibson. He's just been so good recently at 6K. I think he's very cash viable this week. I'm going to play your boy, Leonard Fournette. I know how much you love him. 7.4. At this point, I just can't ignore the type of production that he has. And over the last four weeks, Buffalo's allowing the fourth most running back fantasy points. All right. Give me a PPR wide receiver that you can get some rack up production under 6K. Can I just say Jets wide receiver? This is tough because, all right, because I put Elijah Moore, but he's still dealing with the quad issue. We're not sure where he's at as of uh, Thursday evening. So if Elijah Moore is in, he's my answer. If he's out, Jameson Crowder, we talked about it. The Saints just getting destroyed. Second worst in the league against the wide receiver position over the last six weeks. No Corey Davis. I'll take Elijah Moore or Jameis Crowder. I will take Brandon Cooks, a name I have not mentioned very much. Totally get that Davis Mills going to get the start. The Seahawks have allowed, let me calculate this real quick, the most passing yards in the league and the highest pass success rate in the league. So I will take that for a player that is still seeing a 27% target share. And there's been some down weeks. It hasn't been pretty for a while now. But Brandon Cooks at 5.7 is cheap. I think you can play him and get some rack up some production. And if there is some fight from the Texans, he's the only player that you could possibly look at. So uh, Brandon Cooks, 5.7, put him in your cash game pool, mix and match your players. If Elijah Moore is not there, he's at a good price point where you can drop down a little bit. Give me a pay up tight end this week that you would put in your lineup, not named Travis Kelsey. Yes, I'm looking for a tight end that if I'm paying up, can find the end zone and has huge upside, and that is Rob Gronkowski. And I never thought I'd say those words. With Gronk being retired, multiple back surgeries, so many injuries, but my gosh, dude, he looks so good out there. And Tom leading the league in passing, completions, 
touchdowns. It's just, if I'm going to attach myself to a good offense, it's Rob Gronkowski and the Bucks. Give me Gronk. I think he finds the end zone again this week. I'm going to go with Mark Andrews on FanDuel. He's 6.9 on DraftKings. He's 5.9. Both sites really like him a lot this week. Stacking with Lamar Jackson. The last two weeks, I get it. It hasn't been great. All right. He has 19 targets, only eight receptions. We call that a 42% catch rate. Not great. But I think he's a fine play. The Browns are 29th against fantasy tight ends over the last six weeks. And if people are playing Austin Hooper in chalk lineups, I will be going the opposite direction with uh, our boy, Mandrews. All right, last one. Give me a sneaky pay-up DST. So they have to be over 3K. All right, before I give my real answer, I just want to make sure that we mention this on the show. If you have the salary to pay for the Chargers, my gosh, Jake Fromm. Who <laughs> I don't know if you saw the quote. Basically talked about the fact that it, it, it's this is like a I think his his analogy was a test that you're showing up for our final, but you weren't in any of the classes. Is that what he said? Jake. Yeah, Jake, what are, like here's the thing, guys. I've had dreams that way. I think a lot of people oh, yeah. actually have dreams, but you do not admit that at no. all. Like you sound like you're the most <laughs> confident person on the planet. There's no way I would ever hire this guy again after hearing that stupid statement. Yeah, basically, he's not prepared for this matchup. He's only been on the team for like a month or something. Um, And they're expensive. They're $4,300. So it's tricky to justify it. But my gosh, Jake Fromm, Kenny Galladay is dealing with the rib issue. Sterling Shepard still with the quad issue. Kudarius Tony with the quad issue. Saquon Barkley is still not 100% with the ankle. And the offensive line is terrible. My gosh, the Chargers could go bananas here. But that is not the real answer. I'm going with the Cowboys in this spot, 3.4K, taking on Washington. And we've just seen the Cowboys like be a defense that can create turnovers, get after the quarterback. And Taylor Heineke, when he's forced to play like YOLO ball, creates a lot of opportunity for takeaways and sacks. So I will take the Cowboys here. I'm going to mention the Broncos. They're at home against the Lions. They're 3.8 on DraftKings. They're 4.4 on FanDuel. I get that might be a bit tough to get up to. But they're at home against Jared Goff. He's not good at football. He's averaged three sacks per game on the road this year. And the team is just scoring, you know, 15 points, 16 points. Like, you're not worried about the Lions putting up a ton. And if they don't have DeAndre Swift, you're really not worried. So I think the Broncos are a sneaky pay up that people just say, "Ah, I don't want to pay for them. And I think that you can do well. All right. A couple of questions. Mailbag. You can send in your beautiful, thoughtful, awesome, engaging questions to me or Betts. Betts is at the Fantasy PT. I'm at Kyle underscore Borg on Twitter. We are nice usually on Twitter. And sometimes we give away stuff. Like when people answer Mike Glennon in my trivia questions, I gave away a Muth is Luth t-shirt because uh, nice. I just wanted somebody to to get the answer right. I wanted one person in the history of the planet to get a free t-shirt for answering the right answer, which was Mike Lennon. I love it, man. It's it's a beautiful thing. Do you think that's the first like time in the history of the world that anyone's ever gotten a free t-shirt because Mike Lennon was the right answer to a trivia question? Probably. Actually, definitely. (laughs) I feel like Guinness is going to be talking to me and I am ready. Oh yeah. I am I am here for it. (laughs) All right. First question we got off Twitter is from Patrick Glisson. He asked there don't seem to be as many obviously good plays on the slate this week for cash. When that's the case, are you more likely to deploy players from the same team 
than you otherwise might be. And I'll give a follow-up question from Aaron. He asked, if Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara play this week, do you like stacking them together on the same team or is that some negative correlation? So kind of in the same vein. Yeah, to answer the first question, it, it entirely depends on the team. Like, I mean, if we got two huge value plays from the Jaguars, no, <laughs> no, not doing it. If we get two value plays somehow from a really good Chargers offense, sure, I think it's viable to play Austin Eckler and Jalen Guyton, for example, in the same lineup. So I think it really depends on what's happening. Um, as far as the second question that kind of correlates with this, as far as Taysom and Alvin Kamara, I think I prefer to not play them together because when Taysom Hill has a really solid game running the football, especially with finding the end zone, it's because Alvin Kamara is not scoring a touchdown on a certain drive. And I think it's viable that they could pay off in the same cash lineup. But I know that in cash, we just always talk about floor and safety, but I also want to bake in a little bit of ceiling, right? And I think that if those two are in the same lineup, their ceiling might be capped just a little bit. So I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Kyle. That's my personal take. I wouldn't fault anyone, though, that in this matchup with the Jets, put them together. I think it's it's fine. Yeah, I think Taysom and Kamara are unique because Kamara is essentially a wide receiver, too. Like, so just think about that. Like, normally you'd stack a quarterback with some pass catch, Tom Brady, Mike Evans. But Kamara is a different. He's the wide receiver one on that team as well. So just think about that. Um, don't mind Taysom and Kamara, but like I said, I lean right now Cam and Kamara if I had to pick. But in cash lineups, I usually will max out three players from the same team. Like there's just no way I could see myself putting more than that. And if anything, it's like I usually end up being two. Like I'll usually do like last week I did Brady and Godwin and that was awesome. But usually I, I won't try to fiddle too much. Like if it's the tight end, like if you want to do Mahomes and Kelsey this week and that just felt safe to you, I get it. It's just a lot of salary. Uh, usually I want a really expensive quarterback and a cheaper tight end. And that way I can save salary and spend up elsewhere. But yeah, you know, we, we usually would say you are increasing your upside, but the downside of your team in terms of your meeting outcome is scary because let's say that the touchdowns end up on the ground this week is just like you're completely screwed. So that's why this week I won't be playing Herbert and Mike Williams because Eckler is such a great play, I think, uh, against the Giants. So yeah, just think about that when you're mixing and matching those. Next question is from Bryce Pat 98. He asks, how do you treat two to three entry contests compared to ones where you enter 20 and up entries? Yeah, I don't play a lot of the 20 plus entry sort of situations. I'm more of a single entry, two to three max um, tournament player. I play a lot of cash and then play a little bit of GPP. And when I do, it's those formats. So this is kind of right up my alley as far as how I play these. And my personal approach, especially on slates like this one, is where there tends to be a lot of chalk condensing around really fragile plays. Um, Jalen Guyton, for example, Jared Cook is another good example on this slate. The 49ers backfield, like that sort of situation it allows you to take a huge stance against the field in one lineup, or if you're playing three lineups, three lineups, where you can really get off of the, the popular cheap plays and create huge differentiation. And if the chalk that's really fragile fails, you have just a huge, huge edge. So that's how I play it personally, but I'm not sure. Maybe Kyle, you can answer the other question because you're more of that. Uh, like, I don't know if you do 150 still, but you, you tend to enter more of those kind of contests than I do. 
back in the day, man, I did some one fifties. <laughs> I let me tell you, oh, uh, man. I just back in the day, what a time. <laughs> I haven't been doing 150s as much recently, probably because of life and moving. But I'll say this for 20 and up entries. And I do still like doing 20 max because that's just enough where I feel like I can kind of, for me, flex out. Like, here's some of the combinations. If I'm doing a 20 max, then I am picking two to three quarterbacks and stacking in that direction. And then for my running backs, I have a pool of about mm, six running backs. And I'm mixing and matching through that. And the reason why I do that is you just start getting through so many different combinations that if you're doing 20 max and you're doing two quarterbacks, you basically get 10 lineups for each quarterback. Or if you're doing three, you get at least you know six in there. But you need those combinations. Like you're not going to guess it right in these large field tournaments where you can do a 20 max. So for me, I treat it as, let's say on this slate, I want... Tom Brady stacks for six of mine. I want Lamar Jackson stacks because I think the field isn't in on him. And then I'll maybe pick someone who's a little bit chalkier. Uh, I don't know. I Let's say I'm doing Justin Herbert or Patrick Mahomes and just going in that direction. So I would stack a bunch of different directions with Mahomes. I do half of those with Tyreek, half with Kelsey. And then, you know, make sure that I mix and match those running backs. So, Nick Chubb was someone I brought up earlier. Like I will have a chalkier lineup with Mahomes and then put Chubb in there because I know that the field's probably not going to have that combination and do the same thing with the cheaper guys. Like maybe I have some Jeff Wilson in there and then maybe I find another running back that's in that 5k range that people aren't playing. So get three quarterbacks stacked that way, but it, it really is. You can't cover all your bases. I need to mention that. Like you will try to, and you just can't because there's so many different combinations. It will drive you crazy. All right, let's go to one more question. This one's from Bobby Perrell. And I just want to say this about Bobby. Bobby, you are, are a master questioner. I think you've been in our uh, question segment, our mailbag, at least three or four times this offseason or during the season. And dude, great questions. Very thought-provoking. So follow Bobby on Twitter if you want to, at Bobby Perrell. He said, at this point in the season... It's easy to reflect on success or failure throughout the season. What, in your guys' opinion, separates people who are really good at DFS from those who just try really hard? Just what's the difference between someone who's like a Bill Belichick and someone who's a Dan Campbell? Oh, man, I love Dan <laughs> Campbell. What a what an awesome guy, for real. Through a tough season, just a class act. Um, to answer the question, it is it's a really good question. I, I love this question, really. I think what makes people really good at TFS is the ability to treat each slate as its own. I think that there is people that kind of get stuck in maybe their ways of how they play DFS or maybe their approach to certain positions in DFS. But really, like when Tuesday comes, you have to forget what just happened three days ago or two days ago. You need to move on. And I think that that's really difficult to do, especially when this is so results oriented. Like you want to see the money come into your account. You want to see wins. You want to see all these things. But the best DFS players in the world understand that there is variance and understand that you will lose. And that, that is okay in this long season. As long as you're a, a really thoughtful player, you're going to do well in this space. And I think that um, our listeners have heard me say that before, like having that long-term out, like outlook separates someone that just tries so hard each week to being like a truly sophisticated DFS player. For sure. Yeah, I just, for me, the ones that try really hard are searching for 
this combination and they're searching for it for way too long that they end up galaxy braining where the best plays are good plays because it's okay to find a consensus like in terms of the field. I think for me, I generally like to be contrarian. It's just the way that I like to think, but I'm finding there is some wisdom in the crowd. So when you start straying way too far from the crowd, I think that's where you end up having these thin plays and you really end up in GPPs just lighting money on fire. So I would encourage people, if you're playing in those small fields that Betts usually talks about, play a cash lineup and tweak it in at least two or three spots. And that's where I've found that I've had a lot of success recently where it's like, hey, I don't really have the time this weekend or maybe I just, I can't think of all the combinations. Instead, I'm going to play a really high floor team that if they hit, then they're fine. And instead of, you know, like we mentioned last week, instead of Alexander Madison, you play Justin Jefferson, you get ahead of the field. So uh, make sure you do that in the off season. We'll definitely get to fine tune some of our process. So stay with us if you want to learn more about that. You go to ballersdfs.com if you want to play in our DraftKings League. I will throw out some spicy contests this week, including some really small ones. We've been doing some Battle of the Borg and Battle of the Bets that are only 10 mans. I might even do a three man just to just cool. to like brawl against the people. I like notifications doing for that if you want to yeah. get in. One of my favorite things in the DraftKings chat is people like, I literally was sitting there in the app and I still missed it because they've they filled up so fast. So maybe you and I will throw out some contests this, this weekend that are just super small. They're really, um, uh, they're elite. They are, they're just, uh, one of those, they're exclusive. Exclusive. That's a great word for it. Yes. The cool kids table, if you will. Yeah. I mean, dude, you and I are definitely, definitely sitting at the cool kids table. We get to talk about football for a living, nerdy football. Um, so yeah, you can join us at, our DraftKings League, and be a part of that at ballersdfs.com. But Betts, why don't you sign us off? Yes, I would absolutely love to do that. Uh, man, what a fun show. This was really enjoyable. Hopefully our listeners enjoyed it as well. Excited about this slate. I think it's a really, really, really good GPP slate because there's a lot of fragile chalk. Don't be afraid to get different. Hopefully you guys win something huge this weekend. When you do, let us know. We will see you back here on Tuesday. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.